and several concerns. Seems this world you created contradicts all we've learned. To be free and American. What does it mean? And what are the terms of this infamous dream? Independence, Independence from, from what? what? From whose laws are we free? By whose laws are we governed? Through whose eyes should we see? The, the land, land of, of the, the free has enslaved us. Forced to hate and acceptance of sin. The, the home of, of the, the brave, brave has betrayed, betrayed us. And convinced us that fear will always win. Why so much sadness? Why so much pain? Some, some rest, rest in luxury as some sleep in rain. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian, or other. Cursing and fighting and killing each other. I see them. I hear them. I can't turn it down. Their voices speak clearly and loudly and sound. Build a wall. Sign a bill. Sell them drugs. Let them kill. Discourage love. Encourage hate. Separate. Separate. Annihilate. Annihilate. So... If divided, we conquered, but united we stand, and our current positions have ruined your plan. I'm not sure how to fix it. I'm not sure who's to blame. I'm not sure if it's worth it, and I'm not sure what's to gain. I'm not sure of my future. I'm not sure if I'm free, but I'm beginning to think that the problem is me. You see, I thought I was sure that your grace would abound. But that's hard to be sure of as I look around. So show yourself faithful. Take back your land. Or have you given us over to the enemy's hands? You said that you would protect us, one nation under thee. But God, this can't be your promise. This can't be your free. Are you even listening? Do you see where we are? Are you still in control or have we gone too far? Can your powers still save, raise the dead from the grave, cause the blind eyes to see? Or, or was that, that all just a story? America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good. With brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Dear children, 
I hear you and I feel your pain. Yet, you can't doubt my son every time you see rain. You can't sing of my power from heaven above, then question my loyalty when they don't show love. Has my promise not kept you? Has my word come back void? Do I ever neglect you? Should I be annoyed? I've outlined my principles. I've shown you my plans. I put them in scriptures and into your hands. In the womb I formed you. From the womb you then came. Yet you question my faithfulness because you feel pain? I give each of you choices, yet I've shared with you mine. Pray for your brethren and always be kind. I despise hatred, evil, and lies. And Satan is no match. I've broken those ties. Did you forget you're my son? Have you forgotten you're my daughter? Did you forget my son is one who walked upon water? Never question my power. Never downplay my worth. I left basic instructions before leaving earth. You call it the Bible. Some call it a book. But when you don't adhere to its words, then how do I look? I am a spirit. I am that I am. You're of my spirit, but you are a man. Those that don't know me in the pardon of their sin have only you to rely on is Jesus with skin. If you can't stand firm, if you can't keep the faith, if my will is too much and you can't bear the weight, if no more you can fathom, if no strength you can find, just remember the battle is all in your mind. Yet, there's a bright side for those aren't my plans. I will always be the God of a second chance. If my children, called by my name, would make time to humble themselves and pray, if they acknowledge their own wicked ways and would take time to seek my face, then I can reach down and anoint their hands with my power to heal their land. So to answer the questions that you've posed to me, what it means to be American, what it means to be free, in Christ lies true freedom, forever that shall be. To find Christ and be American is favor indeed. So despite what you witness, despite what you hear, I have always been present and I will always be near. My grace is sufficient. My salvation, my peace, I am independence. In me alone, you are free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is
outlines and talk to you about freedom. I'm not going to do that today, but what I am going to do is share with you what I sense the Spirit is saying right now for us. So this is a, a prophetic sharing and uh, possibly and uh, some revelation, hopefully, for you, but most importantly, direction for what do we do when we walk out of here today. I, I don't want this just to be one more, oh, three points, I'm out of here, let's go do some firecrackers and swim and everything's okay. As you saw on the video, everything is not okay. And I am an incurable optimist, but I can tell you that as my grandfather used to say, girl, this world's in bad shape. Well, I can tell you the world was not in any clue of what it is now. Nowhere near the bad shape that we are in now as a world system. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And this is what I know to the very core of my being. That yes, if the sun is set free, it's free indeed. But the truth that we know inside of us will set us free. So what we're going to learn today is going to help us walk in freedom. Here's the, here's the deal. Freedom is not being able to do what you want to do when you want to do it. Did, did all the teenagers in here hear that? Did all the mothers and the fathers and those of you that are sick of your husbands and wives, did y'all hear that? Freedom isn't being able to do anything you want to do anytime, anywhere, whatever you want to do. This is what true freedom is. Freedom is the power to do that which is right. Now, that's true freedom. And the only way we can be righteous and in right standing is to open up this book and hear what the Word of God says and get in agreement and alignment with the Word of God because this is, will, and always has stood the test of time, the test of trouble, the test of anything you want to put it to. The Word of God is the answer. And we have that available to us. So let's talk about it a little bit. But before I do that, you know, I, I want to tell you something. And if Pastor Randon comes back and says, ignore what my mother says, you listen to him, okay? But this is deep, deep in me right now. I, I have, for several years, become one of those culture, cultured people who wants to stay uh, up to date on all technology. Now, I'm not doing a great job of it, I confess. But my heart is to do that, and I'm trying to get the people around me, and I would suggest that you do the same. Don't stick your head in the mud and say, I ain't going to do any of that fang-dangled stuff. I'm not going to do any. Get with it. Be relevant to your culture. But in the process of it, I was like most and many of you out there. All of my time spent in the Word was either on my iPad, my, my computer, or my phone, and all of my technology. And for 35 years of pastoring, 33 and a half of them, at the, or 33 of them, at the end of the year, I had a Bible that was marked up to kingdom come. And I would give it to somebody to help impact their lives, how it had impacted mine. The last two years, I haven't had one of those to do that because mine is all on my computer. So there was something inside of me as I was reading my Bible the other day. I had, not the other day, it was several months ago. And um, I had my Bible and I was just flipping through because 
you know, I have a page turner at home. Do y'all know what a page turner is? It's been there. It's one of the ones I don't give away because it knows how to go the right page. Y'all don't have one of those? You haven't been reading the right book enough, the same book. So anyway, I started reading the, and I, just the flipping of those pages, it was like, it made me feel so good, which knew, I knew immediately was making the devil feel very, very anxious. And it was just something about it, me having my hands on it and facing this book. I felt like that was the Lord had spoken to me earlier a few years ago about this is FaceTime right here. <laughs> this is FaceTime. And uh, I just felt so right. And so I went back and I told about all of our students and all of our kids. So every Sunday now in Sugarland, they're bringing their Bibles. We had to buy Bibles for our kids because they were just reading it off an of iPad. I want us to remember the Word of God. <laughs> and when technology fails, just saying, and it may at times, it may. Please do not go out of here, and those listening, please do not say that I don't believe in technology. I will study on my computer. I will study on my phone. I will study on my iPad, but I don't want to give up just my Bible. I don't want to give this up, and I hope you'll bring one to church every single time you come, and I would like to hear the pages just kind of flipping through and see what the enemy is going to say about that. I know he hates that. For those that are watching online, thank you for joining us today for this freedom celebration. We're going to have an awesome time, and I believe God has something for you today. For everyone that is here, thank you for being here, all of our triumphites, those that are triumphing in Jesus, and uh, you're putting the try in the umph. We're glad you're here today. And all of our guests, thank you for being with us. If you are a guest in our home today, please fill out a card that's in your seat back pockets and put it in the offering plates a little later in the service. And I, uh, I know they'll come by and pick those up and we'll get to know you better. I'm Renee Clark. They didn't introduce me because I wasn't supposed to be introduced today, but I'm Renee Clark. I'm Randon Lindsay's mother and uh, our Lindsay's mother-in-law, but mother really. <laughs> Dog just, and, uh, and I am a part of the founding uh, pastoral uh, team here at Triumph Church, and I'm so thankful to be with you today. Now, all of that's out of the way. Let's get going. Are you ready? Okay, let's do it. Now, I, I always kind of start with a backstory, and I want to do that today because at the very beginning, uh, the first few weeks of January, you know, I had this word in my spirit, shift, shift, and I knew God was shifting us. And I said it to Pastor, and I said it to myself over and over, and I think I even mentioned it to Randon and Lindsay and that this year was a year of shifting, and I, I know I mentioned it to our church. But, so I thought that was going to be my word. For, did any of you have a word for the year? Are you, are, you, are you watching God unfold that word for you? Make sure you do that because that's so important. I was about the second week into January, and I kept praying about my word. I didn't have it right off the bat. I thought it was going to be shift, but I, I, then I realized that was just for a season. And then God so put in my spirit my word that has changed my life. This is my word for the year, impact. Impact. Say impact. impact. Say impact. impact. 
Now, I uh, realized the reason he gave me shift first was because he was shifting me for impact. You know, you have to change your mind before you change your ways and your thoughts and you change what you do and who you hang with. It starts up here. Actually, if I had a secondary topic for this message, it would be don't lose your head. Don't lose your, I mean, I'm losing my head. I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my, no, you're not. You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. And so I, I want to begin with just telling you my father, those of you that came and was such a support to us during that time and during the homegoing celebration, thank you for being there. I love you. You mean the world to me. You meant the world to my father. And we are grace-filled grace and poured out grace on us, and we're getting through it. But there has not been a man to this day that has had as much impact on my life because he has been impacting my life for my entirety of my life. And the greatest big personality and one of the most righteous men I know on the face of the earth. And he wanted to go home earlier to be with Jesus, and so we spent a whole year, uh, a year this week, a year from this week is when this process really started. And he wanted to go home to be with the Lord. And the last time he was in the hospital, he told his pastor, he said, he told Randon, he said, Son, you, you got to get me a shot. I got to go. I want to go on to be with Jesus right now. And he said, Papa, I can't do that. That's illegal. He ain't worried about illegal. He's ready to go to heaven. He's and like, we're going to get him a shot, you know. And he said, Finally, you know, he'd come back down to earth and he'd say, no, I'm willing to do whatever the Lord wants me to do, but as long as I'm here, I'm going to live till I die. And I, I, have, I have captured that in my spirit, and I hope you will too. I hope it will be a part of your life. Live till you die. But this is what I said to him that day in that hospital room, in the emergency room that we stayed for nine and a half or ten hours. And I said, Dad, Here's the thing. If God has you still here, there's a reason. So what I want you to do is I want you to make sure while you're here that you are, you are uh, impacting, impacting us with everything that God wants to define in our DNA that you need to transfer to us. You still have some work to do. That's why you're still here. So he started thinking about that, and from that moment forward, he, 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 laid, he leaned into that, and he started impacting us more. We, of course, had been for years, but I said, Dad, I want you to tell me, and I got it on video, what you want me to know. And he said, Renee, love everybody. Love everybody. I don't care who they are. You've got to love everybody. And I realized, I hate that it took me his entire life, my entire life, to really realize part of our DNA here at Triumph did not come just from Pastor Randy and me, just obeying, although you do have to obey the Word of God. And we thought that, you know, God just put it in our spirit. But it really much was transfer transferred from my father, which was transferred from his, his mother, uh, that we were to build a multicultural, multi-generational, uh, a multiracial church. And out of Triumph Church has come 15 of those. I had no idea until we started doing it. 15 out of my dad's living room. I think that's a little bit of impact. Yeah. 
just a little bit. But here's what I know. And Dad would say this, and I had his watch on, and then I left it on the counter. And I've been wearing it every day because he had that watch on, and whether he was sick or no matter what, he wants to put that watch on every morning, put his pants on, put his belt on, and he can't even walk. He's going to put that belt on. He's going to get ready. And the whole thing is, he said, we're running out of time. And I said, Dad, it's okay. We've got the rest of the day. No, you're running out of time. You're running out of time. I got that message. We're running out of time. So what are we going to do with the time we have left? Here's what I've decided. I can't get stuck between the lines of limited thinking. I cannot just be a norm norm. I want to be a supernatural person, and I want my supernatural mentality to be my new norm. How about that for you? And so I, I knew that God is, is really speaking to me that I'm supposed to pursue this impact thing, and I know there is more in me than I'm seeing happening, and I want to challenge you today. Have you impacted your life your family, those closest to you, the people around you, those that you come in contact with, have you been your greatest impact? Have you impacted their lives greatly? I don't know about you, but I, I tell you, I just feel like there's more inside of me. I, there are times and I'll have a pity party and think, oh, you know, Oh, I've never touched. I haven't done anything for Jesus. I'm not talking about the pity party. I'm talking about the real times you spend with the Lord. When you say, God, I may have done a few things, but it's nothing compared to what's inside of me. I want to impact my world. I see a world that's going to hell in a handbasket. And I have all this power and anointing and gifting and calling in me. And what am I doing with it? Am I truly impacting the harvest with this? Oh, God. Let me be one that stands up and says, I'm running out of time, but I'm going to use my time wisely, and I am going to see great fruit. And by the way, I hope I have time at the end to read your prophetic word the Lord has given to me a few weeks ago. But one of the things he said so clearly to me was that in this season that we are in right now, that the, the fruit would be extravagant as much as the risk and the opportunity and the dangerous opportunity that is in front of us, just to that same degree will be the extravagant fruit that will come forth in this season. And I'm counting on that. I'm counting on extravagant fruit. I can't, I don't want just, you know, a half tomato that's half ripe and, you know, and half rotten and not quite there and little old bitty, you know, no, no, no. We have to see more or we end up frustrated. This is what the Lord said to me. If you'll preach on impact, if you'll speak on impact, I will drive out depression. I will drive out evil spirits. I will drive out suicide. I will drive out unworthiness. If you will speak about impact, I will drive it out of my people and the churches and they will rise up and be so that's what I'm going to do I'm going to keep talking about impact all year long because at the end of this year we're going to see some things that have shifted and changed I, I when I was in school you know it's really funny that 
I can remember things that I learned in the fifth grade, but can't remember what you told me yesterday. Y'all know about that? But I can, I'll never forget this still because I learned this uh, by Rudyard Kipling. If, did anybody learn that poem? Okay, I learned it and I can remember every word of it. That if you, uh, but the most important uh, part that I remember, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. Yeah. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you and give an account for their doubting too. If you can wait and be tired of, by waiting. Or being lied about, don't deal in lies. Or being hated, don't give way to hating. And yet, don't look too good or walk too wise. Uh, or talk too wise. Yeah, I thought I remembered it. If you can dream and not make dreams your master. If you can think and not make thoughts your aim. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knives to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to, broken, and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools. Anybody relating to this? If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it all, push it to the middle, one turn of pitch and toss, and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn, uh, to serve your turn long after they are gone. And so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will, which is to say, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings and lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you. If all men count with you, but none too much. If you can feel the unforgiven minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run. Yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Wow. That's, that should have probably been one of the disciples who wrote that in Scripture somewhere, I'm sure, that we can find every one of those principles in the Word of God. But the point here is keep your head. That's when this thing is shifting. We have to keep our head. And the first thing I learned about impact is it's not about your feelings. It's not about your feelings. Well, it wasn't in his heart, you know, and the heart is deceitfully wicked, and who will know it? But the head is the anointing flows from the head down, and if you keep your head right, you'll keep everything else right. You will begin to impact every area of your life. You know, uh, Pastor Random was telling me a story, and, uh, and I read the same thing when I was preparing for this message about Actually, I had been to the hospital and where someone, they were brain dead. And the, and the thing is, it doesn't matter how good your heart is. When your brain dies, things start to shut down because the brain controls the rest of the body. But if your brain is alive and we can give you a new kidney and they can do a heart transplant... Do you, do you see what I'm saying? There's something about the head that we have to understand. We've got to get that right and keep our head if we want impact. I, I realize that I can't be running around every single day of my life. I'm running around. You know, where did the day go? Oh, my goodness. 
Where did the day go? And I've lost half day. I don't even know what I did. I had no, no clue. I feel like I've done nothing any good. And where did the month go? Where did the year go? Where did the day go? And before you know it, you're looking in the mirror and saying, where did the teeth go? Where did the hair go? Where, where did all that stuff go? It's either shifting or leaving or something's happening. But at the end of the day, our question is, uh, what, are we, what are we impacting? What have we done all of And somewhere inside of us, there's this cry, dear God, I want to make an impact. I want to make a lasting impact. I do believe that there's something greater on the inside of me than I am able to transfer. And you have to give me clues of how I can do that better. So I looked up the definition of impact, and this is what it says. The action of one object coming forcibly into contact with another. Come into forcible contact with another object and making a permanent effect. Permanently affecting something. And, and then it goes on to say affecting usually. Impacting means to affect multiple generations. That's what I want to do. And here's what you need to know. Uh, this is another word that I want you to get in my spirit, and those are listening. Please get this, that what happens during this season that we have come into, and you go through cycles and you go through seasons. One thing, make sure, though, there are cycles and there are circles. You know, when you go in a cycle, you can keep cycling around until you end up at the top of the mountain. You'll cycle and cycle up. But if you go in circles, you're going to go in the same. You're going up, think you're going up the mountain, you're just going round the mountain. You're going round, round, you're seeing the same stuff over and over. But we want to cycle up, cycle up and keep cycling around. But here's what you need to know. At the end of this, the decisions that we make during this season are going to impact the greatest impact on future generations. So we have to make right decisions now, and we have to make impact now. You're not going to have any more kids, probably, unless you're young. You're not going to have any more grandkids, possibly, unless some of you will, may, many of you will. But, but for the most part, your family is intact. You only get one shot at it. One shot at it. We have to impact this world. And so, uh, of course, my scripture, one of my scriptures is from Mark 9:50. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? You have to have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Have salt in yourself. Now, a permanent effect, salt has that, of course, and but it goes on to say in the description of impact that it tends to mean that something leaves a lasting impression. It's an interesting word because it's usually a metaphor as a crater is the impression left by the impact. So impact 
is in a different scale than influence. We're all hopefully influencers. But impact goes so far and so deep that it's permanent. We want to leave an impact. As a leader, I have to have impact. But the thing you got to know about leadership is some people think that leaders are leaders because of a position or a title. Just because you call me a car does not mean you can drive me. I don't have to have a title. I have to have impact. I have to have influence to be a leader. So how do we have impact? First of all, number one, write it down. You've got to have quantifiable. Say quantifiable. That's not a big word. I didn't make it up, but I, I did put it together. And it's quantifiable measurement. I, that's where we go wrong. We quantify lots of stuff, how tired we are. That's the kilowatts. That's the power. Oh, I'm running out. My, Hannah had gone shopping with mother all day long. One day when she was very, very young, she just sat down finally in a store and said, Granny, my feet ran out of gas. <laughs> and she was tired. And we can quantify that because we're losing something, but we never stop to quantify impact. I'm going to challenge you today to quantify uh, impact. This, we say things like, this job's driving me crazy. My kids are driving my husband. We have to measure impact, not just the energy that we're expending. If we don't learn to measure impact, we're going to affect every single thing. So let's find out what some of the distractions are for impact. Number one, you already know, and this is very practical, the hindrance to impact is grabbing more than you can maintain. Grabbing more. You know, my dad, he, it's great. his favorite place to go was the buffet over here. Uh, Golden Corral. Oh, my Lord Jesus, have mercy. I'm not a buffet girl myself too much, but I know I probably look like it, but I'm not. I, but, uh, you know, I have all these ideas, but that's a pretty good one over there. And Daddy always wanted to go, and he went just a few weeks before he passed. And even though he couldn't eat very much at all, his eyes were bigger than his stomach, and he got one of each of everything. He'd have to have two plates, and it's just craziness. And I don't know if it, it's not really greed. It might have been the depression age. He thinks he's going to not be there when he comes back. But these are the thoughts that go through our head when we're talking about getting, getting every and controlling everything and all see all growth is not good growth just saying but when we sign up for everything you know we got this thing it, mm, it smells good it looks good you know we've got all these things in our mind of what it's going to be and you know it may not be here when I may not get this opportunity I'm, I'm, it may not be here when I get back and you know there may be something else and I will have missed this and so we grab everything and we don't stop long enough to measure the seed before we put it in the harvest and that's what God is showing me so clearly right now we sign up for everything now I'm going to talk to all the nice people because all the ugly people already have this down pat but all the nice people in here need to know there's a time you say no not to church work no I'm just kidding but 
there, there are times you just don't take everything on because here's what happens. You become a victim at the end. You become a martyr because never is everybody going to measure up to your expectation if that is what you're expecting at the end of everything you take on. The most important thing you've got to decide right now in this season is what is going to impact my world the most? What is going to impact me for the kingdom and my family for the kingdom of God and while you're busy putting energy into the area where you should have said no to then you're doing it all at the expense of missing other areas where you could have been the greatest impact where your gifting and anointing could have been released into the harvest field but no we're putting it right there we're putting it right here we're putting and we're dividing ourselves in so many areas that there's nothing left over is anybody with me out there yeah, I know, I know it's right. You know, I know that life has a way of, of muting us. It just has a way of doing that to us. Some of us, some of us have been 10 to 12 people. You notice I said some of us have been 10 to 12 people. Whoever and whatever you need to be, that's just what I can be at the time. And before you know it, I, I, I'm heat, I, I've heated up and burned out over and over and over because... There's nothing left. And then there's a way that life just silences your gift and your anointing. And it's pushed so far down your dreams and your visions. And no, you're not having an impact. But it's not going to stay that way. Say, it's not going to stay that way. God is going to raise up me, uh, all of us to be impactful for his kingdom. So how do I want to illustrate impact? This is the illustration that came to me. And it came to me because I, uh, my husband, I've done it to him multiple times, and then I had to eat the fruit of what I had done. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, you reap what you sow. And so I go to my parents, and I've been staying over there for months, and, and oh, my Lord, Jesus have mercy, it'd be so hot in there. And so I turn it down and get it just about right, and my mother and my dad, they come up, and they don't take that thermostat and just pull it up a little bit. Oh, no, they go to the end and put it up on 90. <laughs> over and over and over again. Now, I kind of used to do that a little bit with my husband, but I hadn't done it in a long time, so y'all don't judge me. I've stopped because I found out I was burning the motor up. I was running up the electricity, but here's the deal. The thermostat... It, the thermostat is my indicator of impact. But I, I don't measure the power by the thermostat. The, I'd have to go out and read the meter to do that. That's the kilowatts out there. But what, and if I just keep using that thermostat and making it go all the way, all it's going to do is it, it's going to tell me how long it's going to take to get to that number right there. But it's not going to heat my house up one single bit more than if I just clicked it up a little bit at a time. Are y'all with me? So, you, so here's the deal. I have to measure my impact, and this thermostat will tell me how much impact it has. Is it possible or are you spend, to spend more kilowatts, and yes, it is, than you have heat 
on the thermostat, absolutely. We have a meter on our lives that lets us know how many kilowatts we're expending. And we can tell you just about constantly because of our fatigue, because the power that runs out, because the energy level that runs out, the emotional level that runs out, the kilowatts are going down. We know how to measure that. But oh my goodness, if we measure the kilowatts and I don't have a thermostat to measure the impact then I get a false reading. And that's what happens over and over if we could possibly get the energy level up. And never, ever, uh, never, if, if we never target, let me just say it like this, if we never target our goal, then we never know what we're impacting. We never know what the impactor is. So uh, it's important because the thermostat controls what to tell the kilowatts, that's enough. That's enough. You're there now. And, and that's what I see. I, I realize that in our lives. We go over and over and we're doing this and this and we never feel like there's anything to indicate to us that, okay, you've reached a goal. But, but in the Word of God, at the very beginning in Genesis, God He only made one thing. And then He didn't even, He didn't have the fishes. He didn't have the sea. He didn't have the stars. But in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then he waited and he said, it is good. It is good. And he clapped. And you know what the good means? The good means that was impact. That was impact. So you got to stop and celebrate and quantify your impact and say, oh, that made some impact. I think I can go back and do that again. Or that was the right thing. Oh, I made some difference there. And I don't feel like I have missed my kilowattage. And I'm not in a pity party over here. I'm doing it right. I've, there's an indicator here that something is right. So what can we do to have have more impact. I do want to say this to all the marriages in here, though. Here's the thing. You imagine the scenario played out in your marriage. You give, 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 give. That's nobody in here. But you married somebody who doesn't communicate. Oh, I'm going to keep my head down. And, and so you don't have a thermostat to feel like you've accomplished anything ever. And eventually your motor burns out burning and turning and imploding and you can measure what you're spending, but you can't measure your impact. And so before you know it, there is no marriage left because there is no stopping. And so what's the moral of that story? Men and women learn to communicate. Learn to communicate when you've done something well. Here's the thing. You can keep doing the same thing over because in another season, it was the right thing. But now it's not making any impact. I know that because I found out my husband loved eggs and I started putting cheese in them. And I did it for years. And he had told me once or twice, I think, that you know he wanted something else. But he says... A, a year or so ago, he said, Renee, I don't like eggs. I haven't liked them in 10 years. I don't like them anymore. Why, I was keeping on fixing them. 
because I was still in that season, but I wasn't making an impact on his life at all. I was not getting any brownie points. And that's what we do. I've got to go quickly because I, I, there's so much I want to cover and I can't get to it all. But here's what corporations have learned. They've learned four things about impact. Yes, I did look at it secularly. I did, so go tell everybody. Beginning, the very beginning of the test, they used to only measure the cost analysis. That was all they did, but now they do four things. They estimate the impact, and this is how they do it. If we do this, what will it do to that? If we do this, we're doing our planning, and I, I wrote this down. We're doing our planning of the harvesting before we plant our seed. We're planning our harvest before we plant our seed. That just makes sense. Because we want the best impact. The second thing they do is, they figure, number one, they figure out how much it's going to cost to get this result. Okay, so we got to measure how much is it going to, how much seed are we going to need to get this result over here. So they measure, they estimate their impact. Secondly, their planning impact through strategy. We're going to hit it hard here. Then we're going to back off. Then we're going to hit it hard here. Listen, put this in your own life. It works. We're planning our strategy around the results desired. What do we want? What do we expect to come from our life? What do I want to come from our day? So I'm going to plan my strategy around that. But no, we let life plan our strategy. We got to take a hold of it and say, no, I don't know about you, but I don't have time's running out and we got to make the most of our time. And so just because I told you, you know, that I loved you 10 years ago doesn't mean I still don't love you, but it doesn't mean I do the same way of telling you that with eggs every morning. Are y'all with me? Okay, so, so number two is you're planning your impact. Number three, they monitor the impact. They go back and see. That's what kills vision. Strategy and energy and desire and impact. Oh, you have to check on it. You have to monitor it. That's our problem. We don't. We just start doing it and we keep on doing it. And God wants us to be faithful over the gifts in our lives. Just because you did that 40 years ago doesn't mean that God hasn't given you more and you could be using something else in a better way at this point in your life. But you just keep on doing that and so you're just wondering, oh God, why? Well, you just keep on going around the mountain and circling it. So you have to find a way to monitor the impact. And then number four, you evaluate the impact. And this is how. I want to put, uh, be an impact when he sends me to do something. I change whatever I touch. I prove the social value. Whatever I'm assigned to do, I want it to have impact. I want to evaluate it. Did it really have that impact? So... I monitor the change, and then I go back and evaluate the impact. Now, those are just real practical things, but there is a strategy for, for and I'm going to end here in just a moment, but there is a strategy for spiritual impact. And I know you're thinking what I was thinking, that if I pray enough, and if I've got the Holy Spirit strong enough in me, and I'm anointed enough, I'm going to have impact. Absolutely not true. Some of the most anointed people I've ever met in my life that could have multi, multi, huge churches that are 
impacting thousands and thousands are sitting in little storefronts and can't even hardly pay their bills. I want to tell you that you have to have a thermostat on the inside of you. There is nothing greater than the anointing of God. But you are the keeper of your garden. You have to be responsible for that anointing and that gifting and that calling. And if you aren't regulating it, if you aren't checking the kilowatts, you've got enough power, but oh, are you impacting anybody? Then change something. For God's sake, change something. I know I'm speaking to you because I hear it and I feel it in your hearts. You can't keep doing the same thing expecting different results. I know that's an old principle and it's, I'm going up further than that today. But the truth is, with the impact, the power of the Holy Spirit is so great. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. But the next thing he said was, oh, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then the next thing we read in Acts 1 and 8, they change the known world. We start seeing, we start checking the impact. We start seeing, oh, evaluating, oh, oh, I see. Oh, and they turn lives upside down. And there was healing everywhere they went. And the next week, they were exploding. And the next month, they were going in and doing this. I'm telling you, your life has to be impactful at the end of the day there is nothing when you lay your head down and the rubber meets the road when you are going to meet Jesus face to face is have you impacted your world with what God has placed on the inside of you the Holy Spirit is powerful there is nothing greater than the anointing of God but I know that without Without something, without a thermometer, without a way that you can check impact in your life, stop, celebrate, give God glory. Some of it is just you haven't given God glory for what you have done. Some of it you're missing. You're not getting the next thing because you've never stopped and said, oh, God. I'm thankful that I was able to help that one. I'm so grateful that I was able to do that. I have hands and feet and the anointing. And I never, I just got to where I took it for granted. I want it to be a natural thing, but I never want to take it for granted. Because the word of God inside of us is powerful. Say powerful. There's a strategy for impact. Wow. I got so much, I got to quit. But here's the thing. You know that God uses the power to change our world. No doubt about it. And it's not used to have goosebumps necessarily. That's wonderful, and I hope you get those and hang out. But I will not run out of power. This is one thing I have already determined since I was a child. I will never run out of power. I'm fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. God gave me the power. That's the kilowatts. And you've got enough of that, Renee, to, to start a fire anywhere in the world. But girl, are you making the impact you want? So you got to find the thermostat. And you got to start pointing that thermostat to the place and to the harvest that you want to see, that you want to realize. Find those, how do you do that? Find those giftings, those anointings inside of you. Where is your passion? And start putting those and measuring the outcome. Okay, what is it going to take if I put this much anointing and gifting into this area? What is the desired outcome? 
Yes, you got to be led by the Spirit. But the Spirit's been trying to lead us, and we've been ignoring it for years. At least I know I have. Let me just speak to myself. And here's the time. I had a, a young guy, uh, uh, Farron. He called me up a, a few weeks ago, and he's just passionate about Jesus, just running out passion about him and I'm gonna I want to help direct him and guide him because that man is gonna make an impact in his life and hey you want to hang on to people that are impact makers get on to their hill because you'll learn something you'll learn what they're doing they're gonna put their energies where they know they're gonna get the most return here's the thing you got to know and I'm quitting right now I know I'm way over my time I, I, I just come so little and I, I have so much in my spirit but we are in a dangerous moment in time that God is it's it's a dangerous opportunity are the words God gave me a dangerous opportunity and we cannot allow the danger of the moment to cause us to m miss the opportunity that is before us. The decisions made in this time will determine the future for a long time. We are being presented opportunities of a lifetime that will have generational impact right now. Now, when I walk out of here today, things are going to look a little different to you. You're going to start measuring impact in your life. I know, even though I only got a third of my message to you, you are going to, in Jesus' name, I believe you're receiving more than what you've heard. You're receiving something by the Spirit. And there is spiritual impartation. We have to realize the season that we are in right now. The word of the Lord gave me was, we are in final jeopardy. Now, if you know anything about that game, you know that you push all the chips to the middle. Do not get me wrong. This is not an eschatology message. It's not the end of time message. It's a season. It's just a season in this time frame that we're in. Final jeopardy. And by that, that means, yes, you have the greatest risk. But you have the most op greatest opportunity for the most extravagant fruit that has ever been born in your life right now. Right now. I don't know how long this season will last, but I am asking you as a congregation to get on board. Find out where your impact zones are. Find out where your thermostat is and make sure it's indicating what the kilowatts are saying because this is our season to impact our world. Would you stand with me, please? Father, I thank you right now that impact, that a permanent a permanent effect is going to be released out of every individual in this house, in every area of their life. Now, Father, I'm just asking you to do what I cannot do and did not have the time nor the words or even the communication ability to share what is in my heart concerning this. But I know that you can do what I cannot do. And so I'm asking you to define for these wonderful, incredible, awesome, power-packed men and women of God. Define for them. The areas of seed of where they should sow for the most impact in their lives. We thank you, Father, for this season that this church has entered. And I believe the body of Christ is right now. A final jeopardy where we push it to the table and we take the risk. And what did not work in the last season, God says, will work in this season. This is our final time. It may come around again, but right now, this is it for us. 
Jump in. Swim. You can do it. Keep on swimming. I love you. God bless you.